listening to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. If you stay wrapped in the grief all the time for years and years on end, sometimes you have to be strong enough to push yourself out of that space and to look for the joy. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, I am so glad that you are joining us this week. Dads, we have an event coming up for you next month on October 13th and 14th called Base Camp. Base Camp is a father-focused weekend event intended to support and encourage special needs dads. Guys come together and relate about the challenges and adventures to this unique life as special needs families. And the goal is to create a space for dads to rest, reconnect, and recharge. The two-day event includes great food, teachings from other special needs dads who get it, lots of activities, but also lots of time for rest. It includes all activities and food and lodging for the weekend, and it will take place at Covenant Rest in Gainesboro, Tennessee. Now, if you have any questions, you can reach out to Steve Chapman here at the Rising Above office, and he can fill you in on more details We will include his email address in the show notes, but you can also find information on the Rising Above app or website. So dads, be sure to go check that out. And moms, encourage the dads in your life to come be part of this weekend. I promise it will be life-changing and life-giving. Now, my guests today are Jonathan and Sarah McGuire. Jonathan and Sarah have been married for 21 years and have two sons. Their journey in the special needs community began 16 years ago when their youngest son developed severe food allergies and autism shortly after his birth. They co-founded Hope Anew, which is a nonprofit organization that provides spiritual and emotional support for parents of children with special needs by offering Christ-centered approach, healing, and hope. In this episode, they share more about their work at Hope Anew and how they love to encourage and support families living with disabilities. Hey, Jonathan, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to get to catch up with you guys. It's been a long time since I've seen you. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for having us. It is so good to be here with you. And it has been forever. I can't believe how long it's been. So we are excited about this conversation and getting to visit with you a little bit. I was thinking, I think it was back probably in 2019 at uh, what's now called Disability in the Church. It was Inclusion Fusion back Mm -hmm. then. But I think that was the last conference that we were both at together. And um, I think so. So it's good to see you guys. And I can't wait to hear all of the amazing things that you've been up to since that time. Um, so, okay, I know that your journey into the world of special needs began when your son developed crazy severe allergies. I mean, like when I think when people hear mm. how intense these allergies were, they're going to be shocked. But And then autism yeah. shortly after birth. So tell us about mm-hmm. that. And I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was really started when he was three weeks old. Um, and it... It was a day and night difference. Like he was fine. And then about day 15, 16, I think it was day 15 after birth, um, he just started screaming, um, just this horrific scream and didn't stop. It seemed like, um, of course, you know, there were times in between where, where he would stop screaming, but, um, 
he basically was just miserable and in pain and would scream most of the day, most of the night. Um, and he started vomiting oh. every time he ate severe Goodness. vomiting. And that continued. Of course, we called this doctor and asked questions. We took him in for his appointments and extra appointments. And the first answers I got from the doctor was, well, it's separation anxiety. <laughs> and I went, wait, he's not separate. Yeah. And that, like, it was just, no, that's not separation anxiety. He's not separate. And that doesn't cause vomiting and, mm-hmm. you know, screaming in pain like he is. Um, and his other body posturing, um, you know, it, it wasn't just a cry because he was upset. It was pain. And um, and then another answer was, well, once we figured out, um, it was the Leche League, really, who first said, well, pay attention to what what I as mom mm. is eating, mm-hmm. that that could be causing a reaction in him. And that's really what first alerted me and got my thinking going in that vein. And so I started eliminating certain food groups. Um, they said to try dairy. So we did dairy. That helped. We noticed uh, a strong correlation. Um, and then it just kept going from there. So I took out like six whole food yeah. groups, like dairy and soy and beans and beef and you know, until we figured out, you know, what he was mm-hmm. reacting to through me. And then by the time we got through with that, he was about a year old um, or 10 months old. And so we had a couple months there briefly where I was like, well, I'm not going to start feeding him solid foods for a little longer than what I did our first son, um, just because he was so reactive to things, just to have a couple months of calm, because those first 10 months were just horrific. Um And in that time, we moved across the country as well when he was two months old, um, not knowing what the journey ahead was going to look Mm -hmm. like. And so, um, yeah, when we started feeding him solid foods, I forget when I started. It was somewhere around that 10, 12-month mark. Um, He reacted. The first time he ate it, he was fine. The second time he ate it, he would react to it. And so his immune system was just developing an allergy to anything that he ate. Mm. And so after a while, we were, we figured out he was okay with sweet potatoes. That was the only thing he didn't react to. Um, So he had a lot of sweet potatoes in every single form and function of making them. Um, But we knew that wasn't going to work. So we had continued to go to doctors. We went to multiple different doctors. We went to one of the top head pediatrician of like Cook's Hospital in Fort Worth, Cook Children's Hospital. And um, again, received... Like, no help. They were like, we'll put a note in his chart. I'm like, no, you don't understand. My son, you don't understand. My son can't eat. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctor we kind of landed with, um, who would actually even really listen to me, um, by the time he was a year old, he was failing to thrive. And um, and by then we had figured, you know, we it was obvious that he had food allergies, mm-hmm. severe food allergies. Now, I will say his reactions were not life-threatening. So I cannot compare what we went through to people mm-hmm. who have kids who, if they even, you know, walk into a room where a peanut right. has been, their life is at right. risk. We did not have that level of severity yet. Um well, and, and it never went that far. We were able to turn things around before it got mm-hmm. that far. 
Um, but he had just a broad range of being allergic to everything. So that is a different level of severity right. um, from what a lot of people do deal with. So while we were dealing with that, we also noticed he was not, uh, you know, by the time he was 15, 18 months, he wasn't verbal. He was, you know, he had a handful of words that he could say, but they wouldn't necessarily be used appropriately and only a handful. Mm -hmm. He didn't point to things he wanted. He didn't interact and play. He didn't make eye contact normally. He would with me, but with nobody else. Just super sensory sensitive. Um, when he would fall asleep, he'd only sleep for about 20 mm -hmm. minutes in between screaming. Wow. So I would use that time to research and I would notice if I got on the keyboard in the room next to his, just tapping on the keys would wake him up. Wow. Like he was so, so sensory yeah, sensitive. Sound sensitive. Yeah. yeah. And he could hear ambulances and fire trucks and stuff for minutes, you know, five minutes before any of the rest of us could hear it. You know, he could hear mm. it. So that's a little bit of yeah. like the things that we were dealing with. We couldn't take him hardly out of the house because of how sensitive he was to things. And, um, and so you ended up with an autism and just diagnosis. just crying and screaming all the time. Is that right? You ended up with an autism diagnosis. Is that correct? Let me clarify. Let me explain that. Okay. I would say yes, but um, so what happened, I was searching, researching allergies all this time. And um, I got to the point where I'd researched as far as I could into allergies. And since Western medicine hadn't been able to help us, there was a day where I was at the doctor's and they said, well, we can test him for allergies when he's three. And I was like, wait, no, he's not going to live that long. Right. We need to do something now. And they're like, well, we can't do anything till he's three. And so I walked out of there. I went and checked with a, a separate allergist outside of my doctor's office. And they said the same thing. And now I'm learning other people do get allergies mm -hmm. tested before then. But the, the two options I had checked with right there had said, no, not till he's three. Well, I'm, I stopped and thought, I remember standing out on the sidewalk outside those doctor's offices, stopping and thinking, wait, what will allergy testing tell me or us? Well, that'll only tell us what he's allergic to. Well, that doesn't take a rocket scientist. You know, when he eats something and starts throwing up and screaming and right. all these symptoms or breaks out in a rash, it's obvious. What is that going to give mm -hmm. me? I need him to not be allergic. Can they do mm -hmm. that? And I was like, no, they can't. They don't know how to do that. And so that's when we started looking at alternatives. So all that to say, I was continuing to research allergies and what's behind them when I came across a link that said the, the root causes of allergies are the same as the root causes of autism. And I went, whoa, that gives me a whole nother area mm -hmm. to research. So I started researching autism and really quickly, like within the first couple of days, I went, oh, wow. And I should have known it, but it hadn't clicked. I have my master's in counseling. Mm -hmm. So I just went to the book shelf and pulled the DSM-4 off my shelf and started running through diagnostic criteria. And um, at the time, he fit very squarely mm -hmm. into PDD-NOS, mm -hmm. Pervasive right. Developmental Disorder, not otherwise specified. That was... So we looked into getting him officially diagnosed. Um, where we were at the time, it was going to cost us about $5,000 to get him diagnosed mm -hmm. officially. And where I was at in my research with allergies and autism and root causes and whatnot, I was like, there's a medical basis to this. Let's put that money into healing mm -hmm. instead of getting an official diagnosis. Yeah. And so that's what we did. Wow. So when you say he was officially diagnosed, Got it. technically no, but if you read mm -hmm. the DSM-4. Yeah. Now, yeah. as we've been to other doctors and so forth oh, yeah. down the road, there's no question in their minds that he was on that autism mm -hmm. 
the spectrum. spectrum. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I can only yeah. imagine, you know, you've got a child who's screaming in pain, a child that anytime you try to feed them, you know, you don't know what for sure what the reaction is going to be, you know, and how challenging that must have been on your family. So Jonathan, how did this impact your young family? You know, you have another son, mm. you've got this baby, this young toddler who you're trying to figure all this out. And how did this impact you as a dad? And how did it, did it impact your family? Right. And I'll throw in there a couple other, uh, couple other things into the mix. We are also new to ministry. Mm. We were missionaries with Wycliffe Bible Translator at the time. And we had just moved to the country of Texas. <laughs> and um, so we are down there with uh, no friends, no family, no co- no connections, really. And so... And I'll say we're from Indiana and Michigan. So that yeah. was a long mm-hmm. way from yeah. home. So, yeah, it really impacted us in, in different ways. You know, with our, our oldest son at that time, we have two boys and there's a two-year age difference. And so we found a lot of care responsibilities for the oldest son were, were on my mm-hmm. shoulders then as, as she was so... Um, involved with the, with the youngest. Um, we also found that with the sensory issues and the food issues, then developing a new community, developing a new set of friends became very, very challenging. Um, you know, it's uh, so much of what we do is wrapped up as food as a center, mm. you know, focal point. Yeah. So when all of a sudden you're like, well, we need to bring a complete meal for, for our son here who we don't know how he's going to react in this situation because uh, just the different things that that uh, can set off his sensory issues. It, it really limited our ability to get out and and uh, create those those friendships. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I wasn't aware as a husband. I wasn't aware of the toll it was taking on Sarah because mm-hmm. um, I would go to work during the day and I'd come back and uh, I didn't see everything that happened uh, while I was gone. And so I wasn't aware. Hey, she's She's only getting a little bit of sleep every day. Mm-hmm. She's not sleeping all day while I'm gone. She's got the same schedule that he's doing right now with where he's only sleeping 15 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And so I remember it came to a peak when he was probably about 19 months old. And we were at church one Sunday morning and we are right in the second row of the of the church right behind the pastor. And, you know, it's just the meet and greet time there where you have about 30 seconds to say hi to somebody. And the pastor turned around and asked Sarah, how are you doing? Oh, goodness. <laughs> and that's the, that's the question that we all yeah. fear as parents, right? Yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? And Glenn? what's the typical response? <laughs> you really want to know how I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. when you know there's a 30-second time limit, what do you say? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he went through a whole, a whole so line of, of questions. of course, I just said, I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know what to do about that, right? Just sort of being joking about it. I was like, take a nap or whatever, you know, like, wouldn't that be nice? Get yeah. some rest. Yeah. And finally he asked, what do you need? Mm. And I was actually surprised he was able to get through that far with the questions in the 30 seconds that we had. And um, her reply was, I need, I need a grandma. Mm. I need somebody with skin on to come and just hold my baby mm-hmm. so I can get a nap. Yeah. But with that question, it, just the, the, my, my wife, who was never a crier before <laughs> just broke down in tears mm. and she wept all the way through the service and cried all the way home, cried herself to sleep, slept for 22 hours. Oh my goodness. Woke for a little bit, fell asleep again, slept for another 17 hours. And, you know, being the astute 
dad that I was, husband I was, I'm like, there's something wrong here. <laughs> this is this is impacting her a little bit more than I thought oh it was. Oh my goodness. If I had realized how bad it was getting, I said, you know what, God, this is a great ministry that you have us here in Texas. Bible translation is a huge need, but right now my family needs mm-hmm. me and we're going back up north and yeah. where we have a support system and where we have the structure. Well, and I'll say too, um, it's really not his fault for not being astute. Um, he was gone from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, with work and ministry. And with where we were at in life, I had trained and educated myself my whole life to be a missionary and to be in ministry. And that was my dream. And all of a sudden, I'm taking care of a screaming kid who's allergic to everything. And that's all I could see for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was in a pretty hopeless spot. Yes. And the only thing giving me hope or purpose was the fact that he was doing something strategic in ministry. Mm-hmm. So I knew that would be his reaction. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really let him yeah. know how bad yeah. it was. I didn't complain or, yeah. you know. Would you do things different now? If you going back, looking at that yes. time now, you would do it. Yeah. Yeah. What would you would do? Totally di- what would do you do different? different? Um, <laughs> that's a good question because I say, yes, I would do it different. I would probably... But hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And so, while I would say yes, I would acknowledge that I needed more help and support, and let's go ahead and move back to where family is. That's kind of a double edged sword because while I could use the help and support, at the same time, what I did to treat Jordan, I really took ownership of guiding and spearheading his treatment. Yeah. But I didn't know if what I was doing was right or if it would work. Mm -hmm. It was all an experiment. And if we had been around family and they had been near, they would not have supported me in my choices and they would have sabotaged it. And Jordan never would have recovered Mm -hmm. like he did. Yeah. So if you ask, would I do it differently? From a support perspective, yes, I would have at the time. And yet, in hindsight, I'd say no, because I wouldn't have yeah. been able to. So intervene. I think, yeah, we would have done it differently, but we'd have the different would have been not necessarily move back to Indiana or Michigan, but be even more proactive than what we yeah. were in in uh, finding the support system. Uh, or at least being open with each other. So we, mm-hmm. we were more supportive right. together. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. how, how's he doing now? How old is he now? How's he doing? What do things look like now? He is now 16. He is doing really well. He's working on getting his driver's license. He's in the permit phase, getting all his hours in. And um, he still has learning disabilities. He um, has some pretty severe dyslexia and dysgraphia. Um, So there are some things we're working on. And I will go back a little bit too and say he was probably about 95% recovered by the time he was three and a half years old. He was doing excellent. Mm -hmm. And then when he was five, we moved and we moved into a house that had toxic mold and we didn't realize it. And so a lot of the things started coming mm. back. He was getting four or five new food allergies a oh, day. Goodness. And, um, you know, just a lot of his coping ability and stuff went backwards. Um, he didn't lose his speech again, but we were in that house until he was 13. And so um, unknowingly, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that, that caused a lot of other yeah. issues. So, so we need to deal with those now um, and work on, on building right. his health back up. Compared to where we were at when he was two, mm-hmm. night um, and day. he yeah. is doing absolutely yeah. amazing. That's so great. Yeah. Well, I know your family has been on some pretty big adventure this you know this last few years, and <laughs> I remember seeing on social media uh, years ago that you guys sold your house, 
bought an RV yeah. and packed up and have been on the road. So tell us about that and mm. just some of the adventures that you've been on these <laughs> past few years. Right. Yeah. So it's been it's been amazing. Um, but yeah, it goes back three years ago when Sarah mentioned that we had a house with toxic mold in it. And we didn't realize it. But as of three years ago, Sarah was pretty much on bed rest because of the mold issues in the house. And it was crazy. And we couldn't find any help. And we finally were pursuing different routes, you know, like Lyme's disease. And finally found out, oh, there's mold issues that are underlying all this. And so it said, we need to get out of here. So we sold the house. We'll say we tried treating them for years and we tried remediating things for years. Yep. Mm -hmm. And finally, when nothing was helping, we're like, we've just got to go. Yeah. So we got, yeah. we sold the house, got rid of everything we owned and said, okay, what can we do to make lemonade out of lemons? You know, and figured RVs come fully furnished. You don't have to buy new furniture or anything for them. <laughs> yeah. And they're, uh, they're clean, safe environments typically. If so, you get a, a newer one that mm-hmm. doesn't, hasn't had a leak. Yep. And so we, this was pre-COVID and uh, so we, Sold the house, got an RV, and we made all these plans of make, having this tour around the country. You know, we'd share about ministry, hope anew as we travel the country, speak at conferences and so forth. Well, COVID happened. So that shut down any speaking engagement uh, opportunities, but um, we still had a sweet time as a family traveling. So yeah, we went out west. We did the whole loop, met some amazing people all around the country, helped overcome, you know, you, you have sort of images in your mind of what different areas are like. And it just helped us really get to know what the people in the different areas are like and love, love people around our country. And it's just been an amazing opportunity. And uh, yeah, we still haven't uh, settled down yet. We're still traveling a little bit slower pace now, but uh, uh, we're still uh, thankful for this opportunity and this clean environment to, to heal from the mold exposure and, um, uh, yeah, make some great memories with our with our teenage sons. So great, so great. Did you know Rising Above has an app designed for families raising children with special needs? The app includes a prayer wall to share your prayer requests, respite for your mind, messages of hope, and so much more. Click the link in your show notes to download the mobile app in your app store. And I know that, you know, out of the experiences, the things that you went through with your son, you guys founded a ministry called Hope Anew. So tell us about Hope Anew and what you guys do through your work there. Mm. Yeah. So as Sarah mentioned, our backgrounds are in counseling. And after going through the experiences that we had with with Jordan, um, it really opened our eyes for the needs of the parents and the struggles that they're going through especially on that emotional and spiritual level. Um, in 2009, we had the opportunity to get away uh, to uh, New Mexico, and we were in a retreat center there. And just, just Jonathan just, and uh, Just two of us, and uh, our parents were watching watching the boys, so we actually could have some time just to refresh. And uh, so we took the weekend just to pray. And one of the things that God laid on our heart was that someday we were to come alongside the parents of children with special needs. And we thought, okay, that sounds good. How about that day is going to be, you know, that day is probably going to be after Bible translation has been completed in every language, right, God? And that was just sort of the, the idea that we had. Right. And um, God had different plans. Um, part of my role with the affiliate of Wycliffe that we were with was called staff care. I started and led the staff care for 
our organization and I cared for over 300 missionaries on the field. And then um, I also had training in trauma healing. So working with traumatized populations. And in 2012, I had the opportunity to travel to South Sudan. And this was just one year after it became a new country. And I was on a refugee camp right on the border of South Sudan and Sudan. And tanks were attacking eight kilometers from where I was at. And refugees were flooding in by the thousands every day. And I was there to help teach national leaders how to look at the Bible to address key struggles and questions that they were going through. And these are people who don't have a word of scripture in their language. Yeah. So had we had 11 different languages in the group that I was training. And um, we w- went through the Bible and looked at questions like, why God? How can be a good God and allow us to happen to my people? Or is it okay to grieve what's happened to my people and to my village? Um, God, I'm angry at what our government's done or what this neighboring uh, town has done. Or God, will you forgive me for what I've done? And as I was working through the questions with the refugees, I couldn't help but see a correlation between the struggles that they were having and the struggles that I had had and that we had had when we were in the worst of it with Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know, God, how can you be a good God and allow us to have to my child? Or I, I'm a counselor. I know what grief is, but what about chronic mm-hmm. grief? Because every time my child doesn't reach a milestone or every time a peer's child does reach a milestone or every transition that should happen but doesn't, I'm thrown into this grief cycle. Yeah. God, I'm angry with you. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And how can I how can I hope when we're still living in this crisis, when Sarah's still only getting three hours of sleep a day, when all these other things are going on, how do I have help, hope? And once I got back from South Sudan, I, I talked with Sarah about this. And she said, yeah, I've been through exactly all these questions and wrestled with all these things. And we talked to so many different families, and it didn't matter what the disability was. Every family had wrestled with these Mm -hmm. same questions. And so at that point, this was 2012, God laid on our hearts to start Hope Anew. Now, again, we didn't think, actually, I'll I'll say God laid laid on our hearts to come alongside parents in this way. And so we started looking around at that point to see what was available to help parents. And so we checked, you know, we checked with Johnny and friends, we checked with focus on the family, we checked with family life, we checked with all the big name organizations. And at that time, the most they could say is, hey, we'll send you a brochure or go to this page on our website. Right. And, uh, and that page on their website would have, you know, a link to four articles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think we, there just needs to be, there needs to be more than that to help the parents and kept praying. And in 2016, God made it clear that we were to step out, out of Wycliffe and to start Hope Anew. And so that's right where we started was with those core topics, with those key questions mm-hmm. of why God, you know, and chronic grief, uh, guilt, anger, forgiveness. Is it my fault? Stepping into a new hope. And we started by offering online workshops for the families to come together and where we guided them through each of these topics and looked at the Bible and, and prayed together. And uh, that's, that's that was the launching point for Hope yeah. Anew. And it's grown to the point now where we have a blog and then also uh, – podcast uh, archives there, which is not active anymore, but you can still listen to the archive episodes. And then we speak at conferences and um, different resources available. Um, in 2021, mm-hmm. uh, we felt God saying, hey, 
pause, pause what you're doing. Just maintain, maintain what you need to maintain to keep ministering to the families, maintain your community. Uh, we have an online community with over a hundred families in it. Um, and then, but spend the rest of the time with me in prayer. Mm. And Sarah actually felt God leading that way, uh, first. And, uh, and, uh, she, she shared that with me and I, I drug my feet more. I'm, I'm an action, action kind of guy. I'm like, okay, we can pray, but while we're praying, let's, let's do, do this, this and this right. and this. And here's the, exactly. Yeah. He can talk to me while we're moving. Um, <laughs> and you know, he can, but uh, it's a little harder to listen right. while I'm moving too. Right. And so, um, so we did, we paused everything and um, just spent time in prayer and, in July, we received an email from a colleague and, and she said, hey, I got this email from this mission organization and they're working with a church in India and they need somebody to help work with them, with the parents on a, on a trauma basis, to help them with the different heart questions mm-hmm. that they're going through. She said, this really sounds like you guys. And so we met with the mission organization and the vision went from us leading a one-off workshop with this church in India to actually training a team of leaders on how to use the Hope Anew uh, workshop and to lead it on their own. Beautiful. And um, this, just to give you a vision for this church, they have, um, they're meeting in a Hindu school in Calcutta, India. And um, it's sort of an odd mix, but it's neat to see how God opened those doors. And uh, they have a vision for church planning and starting all these other churches. And um, they have, and they're doing it. And it's they're not doing just it. a vision. They're in process. And with that, um, they launched a ministry for special needs families. Mm-hmm. And they were, one Sunday morning, they, after the service, an English woman came up to the pastor and, and said, Hey, have you heard of Night to Shine? And he said, no, tell me about it. And so she told him all about Night to yeah. Shine. Said, you guys need to start hosting this here. Well, come to find out, it was Tim Tebow's sister. Oh, my goodness. And, um, wow. Right? Yeah. And so that that was the launch of their their special needs ministry, their disability ministry. And to the point when we first talked to them, they had 75 families attending the church that were impacted by disabilities. Mm-hmm. And they're noticing they had this great ministry for the kids. Yeah but nothing for the parents. parents. And the parents were coming traumatized mm-hmm. and they couldn't even take in the announcements on the Sunday service just because, because life right. is so much. And um, so they heard what we do. We talked with them about our, our workshop and they said, this is ex- exactly what we, we need. But instead of, yeah, instead of you hosting, instead of you just doing a workshop to the parents, train, train us and we'll do it and we can do it regularly. He said, on top of that, would you be willing to let us to translate it to three different languages here? And we have a network of, of pastors all around the country that will train on how to use your materials. And with that, just one of the language groups, the, with the current network, will impact over 200,000 families. Wow, that's amazing. So with that, we saw God just blow the doors mm-hmm. off to, for Hope New to open uh, international ministry. That's so great. And so in 2021, Hope New went international. And um, so the first training with the group in India went great. We're actually meeting with them here uh, this week to uh, talk over some things. And But then also got expanded that to now where we've done a workshop in Romania. And so 
uh, with that, uh, we've actually uh, taken our materials and the translators translating, translating them to Romanian. And um, we provided YouTube videos of us talking through each topic. And so they have been able to take each topic and work through the sessions on their own using the videos and the materials we provided. That's exciting. So that's sort of a long yeah. update, but it's uh, exciting to see the doors that God's opening and what he's doing. That's so great. All that to say that set that set us up in all those processes to where we are looking at now our next phase is to publish the materials mm-hmm. so that churches can take them and use them without us having to be there in person yeah. leading them, that they can have a facilitator lead them in in churches. So great. And, you know, I love, you know, with technology and all that we have available now, it's amazing how, you know, things that we create here can be used for so many different families around the world. And so that's exciting for what you guys have coming up. And, you know, I know one of the big components about what you do, you're big believers in the importance of community. And uh, for Mm. all of us who are special needs parents, we know how challenging that can be, you know, how hard it is to yeah. be with other parents. And so, you know, what is it that you do to help families be in community? And how have you seen it impact the families that you work mm. with on a weekly basis? So one of the big things that we offer for families is the Hope A New Online Community. And this came through our, just our own experience. As you said, as as parents on this journey, we know the need and how difficult it is to get that community, to have that group that really gets what you're going through without having to explain it. So we call it Hope A New Community, an online group that gets it. An online laugh together, cry together, pray together community. And, you know, as I mentioned, we have over 100 families in there now, and it's just neat to see how God is using it in the conversations. Um, I'll share, there's one man in there that, his name's Mike, and he I'm sharing his story because I know he he loves people and he loves to share how, how the community's been a blessing to him. He was actually in our very yeah. first online group. Yeah. And at the time, he was really struggling. His his wife had left him, and um, she had left with the typical child. And um, he was left in the care of uh, of his daughter, who was on the severe uh, autism. Just working through a lot of issues, a lot of anger, a lot of hurts, Hurt. a lot of pain. Just you can imagine. To this day, he says, you know what? Every morning when I get that ding of notifications on my phone, it's just in search. It's such an encouragement to me to see that it's from the Hope A New Community. Mm-hmm. You know, he just uh, it's sort of that bright spot in his day where he can get that um, positive feedback and that encouragement. Yeah. And he knows that we get it. You know, he'll periodically reach out to us and say, hey, I really need to talk with you. Do you guys mind set up, setting up a Zoom call with me? And so we so we meet with him one on one. And uh, it's just neat to be able to come alongside the families in their journey. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then have that group that you can be real yeah. with what's, what's going on. Yeah, we all need that. We all need people that we feel safe with, that that get and understand our lives. And, you know, some of the things that we end up talking about, a lot of people are not going to get and understand. And so yeah. to have that safe place. Yeah. And, you know, one of those things, and you've mentioned it earlier, but one of the things that our families deal with so often is, is that chronic grief. You know, the grief mm-hmm. that's ongoing uh, because of different milestones not being met or or when, you know, I know when like when my son turned 16 and he was not going to get his driver's license, mm-hmm. you know, that thought mm-hmm. I see all my other friends, kids, and they're posting pictures of them getting their, you know, their learner's permit or their license or their new car. And that wasn't going to be our story. And, you know, we had to grieve that, mm-hmm. that loss. And so yeah. how do you counsel families 
that you work with to help them process through that chronic grief cycle Mm. that just happens over and over again with all the disappointments that come our way on this journey? I think number one, um, and this came from a comment from one of our participants as far as how it helped her, was just how we acknowledged that this is going to be a lifelong companion. Mm -hmm. You're not going to grieve and have it be a one and done, and now you're moving on. Um, It's going to be ongoing throughout the course of your life and your child's life. Um, So just that acknowledgement helps. Like there's nothing wrong with you because you continue to struggle with grief. In fact, Mm -hmm. that's completely normal. Um, So that's number one. Mm -hmm. And then knowing what triggers it and just being prepared for Mm -hmm. that. Um, and, And just being able to name it to where when your child is five and nonverbal, and your niece is five and jumps up in your lap and reads you a book, mm-hmm. and you're suddenly crying at this joyous event of your niece reading you a book, yes. you can put the pieces together and be like, oh, this is grief mm-hmm. because my child is never going to do right. this or isn't doing it yet, mm-hmm. either one. Um, so just being able to to name it and know what's going yeah. on helps. Yeah. And, and to acknowledge it. I mean, I think we have to sit in it sometimes. It's easy to just to kind of skirt over those things. Yeah. But I think it's so important to lament those things and to take it to God and then invite him into that space because that's where the healing comes from. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. You have to be brave enough to acknowledge it head on and Mm -hmm. lament. Mm -hmm. And we do that in our workshop. Mm -hmm. Um, We walk through lament. We write lament, um, that kind of thing. And then you have to be strong enough sometimes to intentionally move out of that right. brain space and acknowledge that grief and joy can mm-hmm. coexist. Um, if you stay wrapped in the grief all the time for years and years and years and years yes. on end, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you have to be strong enough to push yourself out of that space and to look mm-hmm. for the joy. Yeah. I love that thought. Um, mm-hmm. So there's both and you have to acknowledge yeah. it head on and lament it, but also to intentionally mm-hmm. push, push toward towards joy the joy that comes well. And, you know, I think, you know, the other thing that so many people outside of this disability space have a hard time realizing is that our families do have trauma. You know, every member of our families, Mm -hmm. you know, can be impacted by trauma. The parents, the the individual with the disabilities, the siblings, you know, all the things, there's the trauma Mm -hmm. that goes along Mm -hmm. with that. And I think it's so great Mm -hmm. that you guys are, are addressing that and helping families through that. Mm -hmm. So what has your experience been with some of the families you've helped? And then what are ways that Hope Anew comes alongside Mm -hmm. and helps those families that are dealing with trauma? And I think a lot of people don't even realize that they're dealing with trauma. I think they don't even realize that that's that's what's happening with them. And then something will trigger them and they respond, Mm -hmm. you know, or react when really it's because of that underlying trauma that is there. I think you hit the nail on the head right mm-hmm. there. We've seen that so many times. And that's that's actually been our experience as we've as we've talked with families that they don't realize. In fact, we had a whole seminar on trauma and it was to the degree that so many families didn't realize that they're traumatized that we ended up renaming the sem- seminar mm-hmm. secondary trauma because they were then able to realize, "Oh, my child's trauma might be impacting what I'm going through." but it was too direct for them to actually call mm-hmm. it trauma themselves. And so it's, it's interesting as we've spoken on secondary trauma, 
we actually take them through this whole list on trauma. That's it's, it's official. We list. have an assessment. Yep. And it helps the parents assess whether they are personally dealing with, with trauma. And it's almost like check, 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 check. You know, this is what I'm dealing with. And they can say, oh, wow, I scored like a nine out of 10 or whatever. I scored really high on it. And as far as trauma and then you, you walk them through, okay, well, this is actually a standard test that medical institutions use to figure out if a victim mm. has been traumatized. And all of a sudden they're like, you just literally see the light bulbs going off in the parents' eyes as they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's me. Yeah. That's what I'm going through. That's why I feel this way. And so as we work through that with the parents, then we also help them see, okay, you're feeling this way. And your child's little brother or little sister is mm-hmm. probably feeling this way as well. And here's how you can identify that in the siblings. And then we walk them through, okay, here are different steps that you can do personally. And then that you can do with your child to help them. And part of that, you know, is putting a self-care plan in place and having accountability with that. And also having a support group or, or a community that you can be a part of. And it may mean counseling for your child and, you know, there's there's whole whole process you can go through to help yourself uh, be aware of that, what triggers your trauma and your child's trauma, and then just to help have a plan in place to, mm-hmm. to be able to cope with that. Well, and I'll say when he says self-care, we know that's right. kind of a hot button word in our in our population, right? Yeah. Um, and like who right. has time for that? Nobody. And um, so he put together a phenomenal little, um, you can get a PDF download on our site too. Um, But five Mm. minute vacations is what we called it. What can you do in five minutes to help refresh and care for yourself? Um, Is it really a vacation five minutes? No, (laughs) we know that we all need months of vacations, but it's (laughs) it's those stuff that you can take to really deal with and to help yourself be there for the long haul for your child. Even if all you have is five minutes. Well, I know that you've shared a little bit about, you know, what you're doing overseas and helping other families. What else do you guys have coming up at Hope Anew in the future? As we've talked a lot about the workshop and we're excited to see it being refined. And it's in the final stages now where we are getting ready to have it published so it can be available for individuals to buy to work through themselves or if they have a small group to go through. We've had churches that have said, hey, what can we do? We're launching a ministry here for uh, families impacted by disabilities, do you have anything to help us? So we've actually, um, they've Skyped us in or Zoomed us into their small group meetings to lead discussions and to guide them through the workshop. Well, this makes it so that small group leader can actually use the materials and go through the, the workshop on their own. And so, yeah, we'll initially have the book that's going to be available. Then there are um, very rough YouTube videos that you can use to help go through as well. Currently. But currently. We but, have plans to get them professionally Yeah, they will done. be professionally done. But uh, those will be available. So we'd love for audience members, if you're interested in that, sign up for a wait list on our book, uh, for the book on our website, which is hopeanew.com. And um, actually, when this comes out, it might already be available. Um, if you are interested in going through a live group, then just reach out to us directly. And as we have enough names to come together, then we can host live great. live groups with the families I'd be interested so in as great. well. Well, I'm so excited to hear what all you guys have going on, what you're doing, what you have coming up. And I know you all, you know, part of what you do is you help people rise above their circumstances and find joy in their stories. Mm-hmm. And so what are ways that you personally mm-hmm. do that in your own life? 
Okay, so I have to tell a story with this one. As we've mentioned, we um, had a house with toxic mold and that we had to move out and leave everything behind, right? Well, it was a beautiful house. It was an amazing layout. It was our dream house. We thought we were going to be there forever. It was on two acres with a pond and we had a little homestead and lots of animals and whatnot. Like it was a dream. And to walk out of that and be not literally homeless, Mm -hmm. but it kind of felt like it. Um, Going from that to living in a trailer um, was really, really hard for me and getting rid of everything (laughs) and not having anymore. And it, what we didn't know at the time, it also ended up like cut us off from community, from our church, from, because our church also had toxic mold. And then when we couldn't um, be in the building, they discontinued our memberships and kind of cut us off. And um, so there was just, it was a loss of about everything except Mm. each other and our close family and a a few very select friends um, that stuck with us. Well, I made the very conscious decision at that time that when like the the moving day when I left the house and stepped into the door of the trailer, I was going to find th- things to be thankful yeah. for every single day and complaint would mm-hmm. not leave my lips. And that was so yeah. critical. Um, learning to look at the things to be grateful for. And there were so many. I had so many blessings in my life. An incredible husband, incredible kids, incredible parents a safe place to be, adventures coming up that we were going to go on. You know, it was a whole new start and a new beginning. But at the time, I couldn't see that. It was just a conscious choice Mm. to be grateful. Mm. And um, so that was a huge, huge one for me. Yeah. For me, I'd I'd say having faith and trusting that there's purpose in the pain and the the hard, you know. While we're in a moment, it's hard to see the bigger picture. You can't sometimes see out of the pain, but sometimes you just have to trust that God has a purpose and that he has a plan. And that was, that was critical for me, you know, and now I can look back and I can say, wow, here's how God has used our journey with, with our youngest son. Here's how he continues to use it. And wow, look at all the hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be blessed because of this and have hope and maybe hear about Christ for the first time. And here's how he's using our, our mold journey. You know, here's how we've been able to help other families who are having health struggles and we've been able to encourage them through that. And so just little, I know God's using it in so many more ways than I can see. And, you know, that's, that's an encouragement to me that even when I can't see it, he is using that and has a purpose in it and he's still in control and it helps me to rise above uh, the heart in that moment. So great. Well, Jonathan and Sarah, thank you all so much for sharing part of your journey with us. I can't wait to keep up with you guys and see what all you have coming up in the future. And I'm just so grateful for you and all that you're doing. So thanks for being with us today. Mm, Thank you, Becky. It's always a delight to see and chat with you. Yeah, it's definitely our pleasure. And thank you so much for the ministry that that you're doing there. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, 
joy can be found in every story. 